it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. This week on Beer is a Conversation, I speak to Lauren Yap, a professional in the world of hops, and our discussion in part focuses on her role at NZ Hops. Uh, Lauren has now actually left NZ Hops for Pastures New. Despite this, I think it'll be a fascinating discussion about hops, uh, managing a collective, and the future of the ingredients business. Uh, So hope you enjoy. Hey, Lauren, thank you so much for coming on the Beer is a Conversation podcast. Yeah, hi, happy to be here. Obviously, um, had a great career, some really interesting interesting moves. Um, so tell me a little bit about your career history and, and how you got there. So I am from kind of the West Coast in the USA, but um, I, I went to high school in California, but I went to university at, at Oregon State, um, which is a massive horticultural university. Um, there's a bunch of uh, plant breeding programs there. Um, and during my time there, I worked for quite a few of them, um, more specialty crop. And so when I um, graduated university, I went straight to work for um, a hop breeding company in the U.S. So um, that was kind of my introduction to hops and um, actually craft beer. Also, I wasn't like a massive fan of craft beer until then. Um, and then from there, I fell in love with it. Um And I went on to brew, um, and I was a brewer for quite a few years, and I still am. Um, But my, um, I've kind of worked between the beer industry and the wine industry. So I, um, in between beer jobs, I kind of went overseas, and I I came to New Zealand uh, in 2019, um, and I worked a vintage in Blenheim here, um, and that's where I met my partner and. yeah, we went back to the U.S. and um, I brewed and he's a winemaker. And um, then just actually before the pandemic, we decided that we wanted to come back to New Zealand and kind of start something for ourselves. And um, I had never even been to Nelson, but um, I had some friends of friends um, here in Nelson in the hop industry. So um, I just kind of reached out to the people I knew in the hop industry and they reached out to the people they knew. And um, I pretty much landed with uh, NZ Hops straight away. So... Yeah. So what was the appeal of of New Zealand? What made you think, oh, yeah, well, I want to stay there? Nelson specifically, like, I mean, my partner and me are in love with, like, Italy, and we love even the wine that we make um, in, like, my home region in Oregon, um, that style. But it's unattainable to live in Italy when we don't know the language. And (laughs) um, where I'm from, it's pretty expensive to farm grapes and buy grapes to make wine. So... Um, yeah, we kind of decided Nelson on a map because it's a wine region, a hop growing region. It's pretty close to, to craft malt companies. And um, yeah, there's hops here. And um, <laughs> always helps. We yeah. were like, there's a beach also. We were like, I don't know. We've never lived near a beach. That sounds nice. And, um, and I'd truly never been. So I landed in Nelson and was like, oh, this is this is a yes. good move. Yeah. This is the place. This is, yeah. yeah, this is for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but obviously, from being from Oregon, mm-hmm. Portland, uh, yes. aka a beer mecca, uh, globally, yeah. don't you miss it? Do you miss it a little bit? Yeah, um, 
It's super cool. I'm still really well connected with the beer industry there. Um, kind of some of my mentors in the industry are people in Portland and some of my best friends or colleagues there. Um, and yeah, I, I actually went home um, in May and June uh, for about five weeks. And I spent about four of them in Portland. And yeah, I mean, it is such a great food and beverage city. It is mm -hmm. amazing. Um, but I've become small town, I guess, because I got <laughs> so tired of like sitting in traffic and like, I don't know, just like making reservations everywhere. <laughs> 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 you can just walk down to the pub now, which is exceptionally nice. Yeah. yeah. I do miss that a little bit about um, where we are in Australia. Everything's so far away. Back home, you used to be able to just walk to the pub and then like weave on home. Yeah. Can't quite do that now. I need to plan it a little bit better because we where we live. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fantastic. And I mean, a, a great move, obviously, um, being in the world of hops. And we spoke uh, a couple of weeks ago because I had seen uh, that Nectaron had been considered the next big hop, according to brewers yeah. uh, on Vine Pair. Uh, someone called it a rock star hop, um, which is amazing. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily even... Before I did the article that you very kindly um, contributed to a couple of months mm. ago, um, I didn't really realize that uh, the US was so aware of New Zealand hops or hops from elsewhere, just because it's such a strong industry there regardless. So what what do you think of that? Did, would you really well aware of New Zealand hops or other, other hops around the world when you were in the US? Or is it very much like a, oh, we've got everything here that we need? No, um... New Zealand hops are so coveted over there. Um, it is, it. I mean, every brewing job I've ever worked, I've used quite a bit of Nelson, um, quite a bit of, oh, there's just so many. Um, Rewaka, if you can get your hands on it, um, it's a pretty hard to, to catch hop. Um, I've used some Rockow. Um, yeah, U.S. brewers love New Zealand hops and Australian hops and... Yeah, I think New Zealand and Australian hops are super sought after there, um, even though, like you said, there are such amazing hop breeders and hop companies over in the U.S. that do incredible work. Um, there's some novelty about it being from, you know, the place of the Lord of the Rings, you know, um, and <laughs> I love that. Um, <laughs> it's pretty great, actually. Um, some things that um, I didn't even know, and I've, I've used quite a lot of New Zealand hops, was how you know, kind of clean and green the New Zealand hop industry is here. Um, we're kind of in the perfect place to grow um, organic hops, for instance, where it can be pretty challenging to grow hops organically in the U.S. Oh, that's interesting. Why is that? Um, we just don't, at the moment, knock on wood, have the same disease pressures. Um, and yeah, really the only um, predator that we have is a, it's called a two-spotted mite. Um, and yeah we can manage that pretty easily throughout the season with a predator mite that eats those mites. Um, we don't often have to spray for them. So um, it's actually a really great industry that way in that the hops are hops. And, you know, we, we do pretty hefty residue testing uh, to make sure that they really are clean just in case. But um, yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful industry that um, the hop growers can focus on growing the hops and not about battling everything else that comes yeah, at Yeah, I bet that must be nice. Um, and is there a bit of a demand for like organic hops in the market now? Because, you know, we've seen beers with sort of um, 
not buzzwords, but like plant-based and stuff like that. And organic's obviously one of those words that's like a, um, a like a consumer yeah, thing that everybody knows what it means, and um, you yeah. know it's got connotations effectively. Um, but what what do you think? Do, do brewers care then on that on that kind of thing? Yeah, and I think that they're starting to care more and more. To be honest, um, there's here in New Zealand, we it, within the New Zealand Hops Co-op, we have two growers who grow organically. Um, and they're really, really, um, I mean, they're generational hop growers who've been at it and have so much knowledge around it. Um, it's not easy to grow them organically. You're fighting more weeds and stuff like that. But yeah, the the brewers seem, there are brewers that are contracted for them year in, year out, you know? Um, and I think it's hard because, yeah, like you said, it's almost like organics is a buzzword, but the more and more that people understand what's going into their food, the more and more people start to understand what's going into their beverages also. And um, beer is a pretty easy one to, to focus on. Same as wine. I mean, it's beer has four ingredients. Um, and so it's it's relevant that you would know what goes into it. Um, yeah, I, I've seen more and more beers pop up that are like using 100% organic malt, 100% organic hops, which is awesome. Um, it's not, at least for the for the malt industry, I know that there's not like a, a plethora of organic malts, whereas we we kind of we do have um, I think it's more than five organic hop varieties here. So you have some choices, you know, to work with. So yeah. it is a challenge, I think, for those breweries that um, seek to be 100 percent organic. But yeah, I think we're working yeah. well with them. Absolutely. And I mean, that brings me on to my point that I wanted to ask um, before I got complete sidetracked as usual. Um, working in a co-op, um, it's hard enough as it is to get the right hops to the right people and plan ahead and all that kind of stuff in the world of ingredients um, supply. How on earth do you manage um, a whole host of farmers <laughs> doing different things, uh, doing it in different ways, uh, and then the, also balancing that with the demand that brewers have for New Zealand hops? Yeah, um, so uh, NZ Hops Co-op has 27 growers, which is so many growers. Um, it's really, really lucky that there's so much history behind it here in New Zealand. You know, New Zealand as a country is really young and the hop industry is almost just as old as it, which is awesome because that means that it's been here, it's been established, we're familiar with the land, um, we're familiar with what is successful and what's not. Um, until a new variety comes into the mix, like we know what dates to pick it, how, what dates to train it, all of those things. Um, it's really, really positive in my eyes that there is a co-op like this. There have been about um, eight or nine new growers come in over the last 10 years, um, and that they've really been able to lean on, and I think really benefit being in a co-op, that they get to learn all of that stuff, right? Um, quite a few of them didn't have horticulture backgrounds, you know, they came from like dairy farming, for instance, um, but just saw hops as a pretty good venture. And um, they could lean on the other growers, even for little things like New Zealand is such a small country that where you get your um, like tractor implements or where you get uh, where you source string from or poles for the hop gardens, um, stuff like that, that I mean, I don't know how you would go about it as an independent grower. You'd probably still call up some of the hop growers in the co-op, you know? Um, yeah, the co-op is really, really great that way. Um, 
managing 27 growers on our end <laughs> has its yeah. challenges. Uh, yeah. Um, yep. It's, I mean, it's even the little things like that's 27 individual phone calls. I mean, oh, at least a week, you know, if not wow. like multiple yeah. times a week. Um, we are really lucky that we have pretty open communication with them. And since I've started, we've like super gone up in our technical abilities with communication back to the growers. So in the same way that through the pandemic, we had to um, improve on how we communicated with our customers. We kind of side by side, we're like, okay, like the growers can't just pop into each other's farms now. They're kind of scared of shutting down harvest. All right, how do we make sure that we have the right chat streams? How do we make sure that all of the information is in a really great pack prior to the season, stuff like that, that, um, yeah, I guess an older co-op, as we're an older co-op, we didn't have to do in the past and the pandemic really kickstarted that. Um, so it's been super positive. I mean, everyone's got like, like power apps and Microsoft apps and like, <laughs> it's actually amazing. Everyone's I like, was gonna say like, how have they adapted <laughs> to all of this? Because I mean, I don't know that, I hope this is fair to say, but potentially yeah. farmers amazing at what they do, but not necessarily all for Zoom and Teams and <laughs> dealing with all that um, kind of stuff as yeah. well. They're um, actually great. They, a lot of them ended up getting like, you know, some of them had like flip phones and like really old brick phones when I first oh started. God, I and they've like <laughs> all transitioned, like I'll show up and there'll be like this massive iPhone or like Samsung and they're like, Lauren, can you tell me how to like connect to the Wi-Fi? And I'm like, this is incredible. That's amazing. A bunch of them have Instagram now. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, well, that's perfect. That's all yeah. marketing. And yeah, all that. We yeah. love that. That's fantastic. We like we like to see that. And I, I mean, I think that's, I think you've hit the nail on the head why um, I've always found cooperatives really interesting. I know we've got a few in Australia um, that are brewing cooperatives and yeah. that ability to share that knowledge um, has always been really key for them. Uh, whether that doesn't necessarily have to be about brewing, it could be about marketing or about finance or whatever. And I feel like that is exactly what um, a co-op like NZ Hops would do. Yeah, I'll give an example. So we've got a new um, hop biodegradable, like a hop compostable string that's entered the market. Um, it's New Zealand made. There are some ingredients that are sourced from overseas, which was a challenge, but we're super excited because it's just like the alternatives have been like a plastic string um, and like coir, which is a coconut fiber, which takes forever to break down. Um, but we we basically, some of our growers in our research committee worked side by side with this new supplier of this string. and the co-op itself all of our growers were able to go in on making sure that there was a demand for it and the supplier was able to make sure that it actually got those ingredients in and it's stuff like that that you're going oh well a single farmer wouldn't have been able to do that but the fact that there is like power in numbers and working as a team to kind of improve the industry in a really positive way um mm -hmm. yeah it's just such a tangible example of how it's worked yeah. so well Absolutely. I mean, it must be hard as well. And, and I'm not sure exactly what the structure is like or anything like that, but it's not loose in the sense that um, everybody belongs to the same uh, brand, but they can sort of do their own thing outside of that. Is that how it works? Like if they want to or whatever, they aren't like contracted yeah, just to um, do NZ Hot. It's not always that way and it hasn't been that mm -hmm. way fully in the past. But yeah, we do have kind of um, a supplier model where they're able to choose whether or not they're like 100% supplier or if they also do their own thing on the side because we have some oh, varieties okay. that are um, 
they're able to go direct to market because they're not owned by the co-op. Right, um, okay. But the varieties like Nectaron are fully owned by the co-op. So mm-hmm. um, grow, the growers will grow it and that all comes to us to market ourselves. Fantastic. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And and then you obviously co- coordinate stuff like um, the distribution logistics, getting it out to Australia, to the US and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. We have yeah. a very hardworking logistics team. Oh my I was going to say, because it's like we were talking to um, suppliers in Australia last year, and this is at the end of last year, and it's only gotten worse from the sounds of it from there in terms of supply chain issues. Um, how have you guys been dealing with that? Has it been an absolute nightmare or like, is, is it okay now? Oh my God. I bet our logistics <laughs> team would be like, all right, I'm going to need to take a few minutes. But um, <laughs> overall, it's gone really well. Um, surprisingly. So shipping costs have skyrocketed. That's mm-hmm. that's a reality that we're now dealing with. Um, and same as Australia, we're these like countries at the bottom of the ocean. Um, and we have a massive market in the US. And so we're still shipping our hops up there and there's a tacked on price, which our growers are eating, our, us, um, New Zealand hops is like the marketing arm of the company are eating and the customers are eating too. Um, and it's something that we've all had to grapple with and kind of, um, make adjustments with and kind of be flexible. Um, yeah, it seems like it has gotten better. Um, last year was a real challenge harvest 2021 and the shipping season after that. Um, I mean, just getting, getting containers into the country was insane. Um, but this year we've done so much better and our logistics team like works day and night. It's crazy. They're like up at 2am, like, like posting on our team's channels. Like we got a container in the yard tomorrow. Who's around with a forklift license, stuff like that. Um, (laughs) It is a team effort. Yeah, that's it. And uh, are there any delays that have been impacting? Because I know um, at least a certain percentage will be fresh hops. Like, how long are we looking at to get over there? It's not like impacting anything like quality. I I imagine you. I don't know. You. I don't doubt you'd allow that. Our containers are all chilled, so that's a positive thing. Um, but yeah, I I think it's less about getting the containers versus like the ships being delayed. I think that's mm-hmm. been a massive issue. Um. But it's, again, we've kind of reached stability here in New Zealand. Um, it's hard, too, because every, you know, it's like apples, grapes, um, kiwi fruit, hops. We all, like, hit at the same time. It's crazy. So everyone's, like, fighting for the same containers and the same ships. <laughs> and I guess, like, these are just the challenges that we have to operate with in a post-COVID world and just yeah. adapt to. Uh, and what what about anything else, anything else that sort of came out of COVID and you were like, okay, this is good for the business or we need to deal with this. Um, I know brewers have their own challenges in terms of COVID, like obviously moving to online sales and stuff like that. But from yeah. the hop side of things, um, what else? For New Zealand hops, we actually ended up bringing on um, a sales team in the US. So we, we and Australia too. Um, so we kind of realized, I think that we needed those boots on the ground to be interacting with our customers because it's one thing to show up on zoom um and you know new zealand's pretty small we can fly pretty much everywhere here within an hour and a half but um Mm -hmm. yeah when we had so many customers overseas i mean we that was a big realization during covid was let's let's make sure we're putting the right people on the ground who can do the traveling in those countries and um kind of just show up and problem solve and you know be on the same time zone is like such a thing 
Um, yeah, I think that was a really big one for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you're absolutely right. I think that's what, and I think people like customers will appreciate that as well. Um, like you say, having the boots on the ground always helps. Um, being yeah. able to have uh, a contact that you know is in, like you say, in your time zone. I know there's a few like manufacturers um, over in China, for instance, in India, that have, are looking into that exact thing for that exact reason. Um, right. So yeah, it's it's a definitely a move and an interesting one because like everyone did move to technology to deal with and talk to each other, and now we're like actually we do need human faces and people um, in there as well which I think is a really interesting move Um, but it makes sense for our industry as well Um, I think that that it just goes with the territory really yeah it's been really interesting recently I wrote an article um, about the paddock to pint philosophy which has obviously been in the in existence for ages it's not a new thing Um, but I always find it really fascinating that, that there seems to sometimes be a disconnect between uh, the raw ingredients and the brewer. Um, obviously, they know what they're brewing, then they do it, they experiment, they do it. They don't know necessarily anything about where it's come from. Um, like five barrels in oh, Wollongong, for instance, uh, they did their beer de Maison for Gabs. <clears throat> um, they knew that they were an urban brewery, um, but they wanted to get closer to their ingredients. They went out physically to the uh, maltsters, the Voyager Malt, and, and went out there and wanted to find that connection do you find that in terms of dealing with brewers in terms of talking to brewers how do you close that gap between um the customer and the farmer effectively yeah um it's a constantly evolving project so um i kind of helped introduce selections um and so that's uh for customers who contract uh above a certain volume they get to choose um, amongst a couple of batches of hops that they'd like. Or um, we have ve- a very small amount of customers that end up getting to choose which farm it, it ultimately comes from. Um, but it really is, I think, about communication. Um, and I have such admiration for the craft malt industry who's you know doing the exact same and tr- just trying to make sure that people understand where their ingredients come from and what the process is. And we're lucky that brewers... Brewers seem to be like super into that as a, I mean, it's such a generalization, but um, I think so many people get into brewing because they have loved wine or they've loved whiskey and, you know, it really matters in those, um, those beverages. And um, with beer, there is more, you know, there's more variables, but um yeah, I do a lot of work of communicating back with brewers who have questions about a certain batch they got, um, even if it's just like one 5kg batch and they're like, whoa, I loved that. Um, they could even, I get some brewers that come back and it's like, here's a batch from 2018 that we loved. What do we do to get more like that? Um, and it is such a constantly evolving project on what we can offer versus, you know, what's kind of what we're actually resourced for. Um, but yeah, it, it is a communication piece and we're, um, as growers here, we're constantly looking to our growers and looking at what's going on on their farms and making sure that we understand um, the varieties and, and their harvest states and their terroir basically and um, how those specific microregions impact the variety itself. Um, yeah. It's a lot of work to get that kind of um, information back to a brewer. 
<laughs> well, that's um, the thing. And I guess that sort of yeah. is, is almost answers my question about, you know, whether brewers do care about terroir. I know, like, sometimes the in the like in the wine industry that's something that they care about a lot throughout the process like all the way from that raw ingredient to the customer I'm not sure that we are quite there yet with um making the customer care about um provenance of ingredients so in some cases yes uh not in not in all um but what about to brewers what what do you think that they do they care do they are they bothered about the microclimate of that particular hillside or is that just too much detail you would be surprised. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, we'll have brewers that visit and it's, I mean, we've, we've essentially been locked down to international brewers, but we have some New Zealand brewers who know like exactly which part of a farm that they smelled a hop and they want their hands on it now. Mm-hmm. Um, and even beyond that, um, we in New Zealand also grow uh, New Zealand grown Cascade. Um, which is traditionally, you know, like a U.S. grown and U.S. source variety. Um, and it's gained so much popularity, and it, it, it's been branded as Taihiki. But Taihiki is known as New Zealand Cascade, which is very, very different than U.S. Cascade. Um, uh-huh. And people love it, and they love the variety for the same reasons. Um, but, you know, it's like it's like still different enough that people want their hands on both. Um, which is super interesting and it'll, it would be interesting to see if, um, you know, we could get something going between the countries and, you know, Australia, New Zealand and the US and grow the same variety and actually take a look at if terroir is a thing, um, if it really is a thing the same way that it is with wine grapes. Yeah. And I think that's really fascinating as a, as a point as well, because uh, we talk about sustainability and how, how to cut down carbon footprints. And obviously freight is a big thing, a big contributor to that. And if we could, we then there'll never not be a demand for international hops, for US hops, for European hops or whatever the case may be. But yeah. I wonder if there would ever be a move towards, you know, growing those hops, those varietals that people want, but doing them with less, less freight, less travel involved. It's like, I mean, in Bavaria, how like all your ingredients have to come from, you know, of place, right? And um, my boss, Dave, uh, at said Hops, was actually talking about this the other day. He was like, why don't we have anything in New Zealand? Why can't we have like, uh, even if it's like a beer competition or something where it's like, you know, the challenge is to use 100% New Zealand grown products. And even if like uh, you paired up breweries and competed and it was like, um, Australia did the same and it was the exact same recipe but used your local ingredients stuff like that that mm-hmm. um, would be super interesting um, yeah. because yeah freight is expensive and I, I think it's potentially only going to get worse we don't we don't know right yeah yeah absolutely and and that's the tricky thing so we'll have to we'll have to see we'll we'll plan it we'll plan something shall we we'll we'll throw that idea out yeah. there into the ether and, and see what happens um but obviously one big thing um affecting hot farmers are climate and um climate change i know it's something that people have struggled with like how do we um sort of communicate that you know climate change and sustainability are really important not just for their own sake but for the future of this industry you know if you can't grow hops or if your um crops get decimated by adverse weather effects and like how how do you communicate that i guess and and is that how how are you protecting everyone in the cooperative uh from issues like that 
I mean, as far as you can. Yeah. If climate um, change, what can you do? Yeah, we can't control it all the way. Um, <laughs> we we have a grower committee and a research committee, um, and these are groups of um, board members and growers, and we do a lot of work at looking at future planning and, um, you know, making sure that we're using the most sustainable practices. And if we aren't, or we can focus on something, you know, this year, or even if it's, you know, the next three years, we're going to focus on this one project and just take a project at a time. And so we've done stringing. Um, I know there's a project with the actual poles and hop gardens right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's lucky for us um, where we are location-wise. Um, there has been, just recently, there was a ton of flooding in Nelson um, just last week. But otherwise, it's a pretty temperate, tropical, in air quotes, climate. Um, and the hops love it. Um, like I said, it's like an, an opportune hop-growing um, region. Um, mm. We are lucky so far, again, knock on wood, that we haven't had the same, like, wildfire challenges that Oregon and Washington and Idaho have because um, mm-hmm. that's I cannot even imagine they're like facing climate change now um, whereas New Zealand is there is a little bit of a lag and I think we will be so lucky to be able to learn from others who and what they do and you know just alternative methods of farming or maybe we start moving farms um, mm-hmm. we actually have one co-op member who's based just north of Christchurch here. So they're about a four and a half, five hour drive away. Um, and that's our first um, co-op member who's not immediately in the region. Um, and, you know, stuff like that, that's super interesting for us is looking at um, making sure that we're future-proofing our cooperative and our, our hop growing industry um, and not trying to stay so stagnant in, in our ways and um, understand that climate climate change is here, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and we need to focus on sustainability and we need to be flexible. Like we say, sustainability isn't just, you know, a buzzword. It's something that we do and that you guys, uh, maybe not New Zealand now, but um, the hop industry in general has, as you say, already seen. Um, so always a big thing. And I know so many brewers are looking at ways to uh, be more sustainable in the brew house and things like that. So it's just really nice to see that go through the whole chain effectively uh, in the industry because we are a little bit closer to uh, the adverse effects of climate change in in brewing because we care about the ingredients than potentially other industries that are a little bit further removed uh, from from their raw ingredients. Mm. So yeah, that's really cool cool to hear. Um, and uh, I know we talked um, a little bit about new product uh, development, new hop development uh, a few months ago. Uh, but do you take that into consideration? You know, are you looking at particular varietals that are um, really resilient, I guess? Or like, how do you do that in terms of uh, NPD? Yeah, um, a massive focus. So we essentially, um, our GAR committee is so involved in that decision making around a hop, which, um, you know, you kind of go, oh, you would think it would be more focused on um, the aroma and kind of the sensory profile of a hop. But if a hop comes through the line um, from our plant breeding partner and it is not a good grower hop and it is not tenacious in the field with our climate, it's a no. It's a, I mean, our grower committee has such a good heavy stamp on it on whether or not it moves forward and we start trialing it more aggressively, um, which I think is it's a really good method that we've built that way. Um, it means that we are making a more sustainable future in, you know, putting less resources potentially to a paddock 
because it's just easier to grow, um, easier yield, um, easier timing in terms of training the hops, um, easier to go through the picking machine. These are all factors that come into our all of our new product development, not just um, the hop breeding side, but there is a huge focus on um, within Bract Brewing Program, which is our new um, like innovation pipeline for our trial hops. Um, we are looking at the yields and we want every hop that comes down that line to be a good yielder and have good timing and fit within our profile. So, I mean, we're dealing with 18 hop varieties right now already um, with about seven coming down the line in our innovation um, program. So that's a lot of hops across a, about a six week picking window. Um, so we wanna make sure that those windows are all filled. Um, and it's just little things like that that you would never imagine. You know, you've got like all these logistics and um, all these little things that actually really, really do matter and make a difference um, on how long your harvest is and how much energy you're putting in. Um, and yeah, it is a massive focus. <laughs> and, and and sounds like a huge challenge as well. Again, like managing everyone on that. And like the growing committee sounds really interesting. Like, I guess, how do you decide what to uh, take to the next stage when you've got so many different farmers, different climates, different um, demands from each one of them? Like, how do you decide that when you're doing the sort of MPD process? Yeah, um, there are several stages that a hop will go through. So even as it emerges out of our, our breeding program with our partner plant and food, um, there is a stage in there where it's put onto a commercial farm and then it's put on to several regions, um, depending on how it goes in the market. So there's there's kind of loops, right? So as you're moving across and you're moving a variety through, you still need that consumer feedback. And we do need sensory people to tell us, mm-hmm. this works great in these beer styles. This is a really versatile hop. This is what the market is going to want. And then we go back and we loop back and look at the agronomic profile and et cetera, et cetera. Um, again, we're lucky that we have a pretty good grasp on our growing region and we understand um, which farms and which regions we need to get it in to make sure that it grows well on a heavier clay soil or, you know, on the gravels. Um, again, we're lucky that we're a co-op because we can go, right, we're going to send this hop to Tapawira because Tapawira hasn't had this hop before, whereas the Mutri has had this hop. So, um, and it's performed well in the Mutri, but we want to make sure that it also performs well for our Tapawira growers. So it's stuff like that, like micro region. We get so focused in and um, that is a positive of this grower committee is that they are from different regions and they know their soils and they know their land so well. And they're able to advise on this stuff back to our NPD and then we can like take it to a market. So. And I always find it so fascinating as well. Um, in in British terms, it blags my head how, you know, you are basically having to predict what the market is going to want in like five or 10 years or whenever that process is finished and you finally have a product you can go out to market with. Like, how do you just check your magic ball and go, oh, we know that brewers in 10 years ago. Like, how does that even work? <laughs> It really, for us, for New Zealand, uh, because we know, I mean, we're, we're about 1% of the world's hops. So we're small. We'll never be this superpower. Our main focus for many years has been hops with a difference, you know? Um, and you look at a, a map of all of the oil profiles of all of the New Zealand hop varieties, and they're so different. And even if you were to put them against Australian hops and German hops and American hops and UK hops, it's 
New Zealand hops really are unique. Yeah, and the good thing is that brewers are so experimental and they love to mix and not, yeah, obviously not just do single hop beers. And even when they do do single hop, they'll go, right, well, let's let's see what we can do with this and add this and that in. And it, just what they do with it sometimes just boggles the mind. Um, so it's like they'll always, they'll always be a place for something um, is, is what I found even yeah. talking to brewers about hops. Yeah, yeah. And there's so many great hops in the market now. Um, I mean, there is a list that goes around each year of every hop, every commercial hop variety. Um, and we all have to update it every year. And you're just going, oh my God, there's some really great hops, let alone like there's so many hops out there. So it's really good to know our place in New Zealand in the market um, and know that, you know, we're small, but I mean, the varieties that are, the New Zealand varieties are so popular, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. So um, while your uh, heart obviously belongs to hops, um, you've also got a little bit of love for wine um, and your own wine label, Brewed Fermentation. Um, So do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so... um, it's actually, so we make both beer and wine under the same label. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, we grow our own grapes here. So it's just my partner and me. We're super small. Um, but we, it was one of the draws of coming to this region, the Nelson Tasman region, is that um, we still could farm our own grapes. And um, the grapes that we, you know, because we're a little bit bigger than the amount we farm, we can still source grapes from kind of our friends in the region who also grow um, and just buy a little bit from them. But yeah, we make um, natural wine. So um, we're farming with organic and biodynamic practices and um, using pretty minimal intervention um, winemaking practices. Um, And yeah, we have grown quite a bit since we first started. Um, We've about tripled in size, which we're still super tiny on the winemaking front and beer, Um, but we love it. Um, We my partner is, um, he's an incredible winemaker and he, he works for another winery here. Um, and yeah, we make beer under the same label, which we kind of use, um, we use a hundred percent New Zealand products, um, which is super exciting. And then, um, we kind of try and make beer with the season. So we're using fruit and we're using some of our grape skins from harvest and, um, any nuts that come through. Um, yeah, we're using locally grown products, which is awesome. Nelson is an absolute fruit basket. So we're really lucky that we ended up landing here and kind of found our feet. Yeah. And it's amazing. And it's, it's really good that I guess you get to do the practical side of it as well. Like if you see what you're doing, what your customers are doing effectively at New Zealand Hops. Um, so you, you yeah. can understand the challenges and how things work and, and what the process is uh, on, on another level, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, we've got a really great local malt supplier here too. So um, we get to, I mean, all of our ingredients are within a four hour drive from us, um, which is unique. You don't really get that many places in the world. Um And yeah, we're just like, it's super lucky because we, we have got, there's such a good hop growing community here who I'm obviously now I know really, really intimately and well. Um, and I get to know where my products come from, um, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. I have a massive passion for craft beer in itself and, um, natural wines and also the ingredients that go into both of them. And my partner is the exact same, um. Absolutely. And yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and do you find then that, because you've got foot 
a foot in both camps that, you know, some of the trends in each uh, of those sectors, of those industries, of those um, manufacturing, I guess, if we want to be clinical about it, uh, are they are they <laughs> similar? Do they mirror their trends? Are they, like, like you say, uh, a focus on organic and a focus on, like, local produce? Is that something you find that are quite similar? And, and are there any differences? Yeah, um, I do find it quite similar. It's actually super interesting that... Um, the markets, at least here, have kind of evolved together, right? Um, craft beer is relatively young in New Zealand, um, and I mean, natural wines are too. And people, in terms of like the general public knowing what that means and knowing um, what to shop for, you know, ask the right questions, it's all been very young and very evolving very rapidly. Um, something that's interesting, um, I've, you know, kind of been straddling both industries for seven years now so I've kind of seen both sides um, and I think I've evolved with the industry but my partner um, has never really been on the brewing side until very recently with me um, and he finds the craft beer industry to be I mean I'm hoping I can speak for him Um, (laughs) he loves that there's like um, beer judging and stuff like that that is so it's like brewers are doing it you know Um, and you brewers become cicerones and then they sit on these panels and they judge the beers that are coming through and um, then can go back and pretty heavily critique their own products, um, which is something that is, I mean, he, he came to um, the Brewers Guild, uh, the Brew NZ Awards last year, and he was like, the wine industry has nothing like this. This is like, you know, the whole industry, like showing up to these parties around New Zealand and like celebrating each other and celebrating the product annually. Um, I think that's something that's super cool that, I guess I took for granted. I, I didn't, you know, not many industries have these these things. And um, even, I don't know, like not even just beer competitions, but um, festivals are like something super unique outside of this great industry we're in. Um, and we're so lucky. Yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. And I, I always like to ask that, especially people that work um, in both beer and wine um, or have done in the past or um, still do or moved from one to the other because um, they're so often compared at all different levels, um, government and perce- customer perceptions and um, trends within them and stuff. Uh, so I always find it really fascinating. And like like we were talking about earlier, I, one of those is obviously... Um, an understanding of ingredients and and where that's from and like wine as we were saying you know it's only a one ingredient thing um you know where it's come from um you might blend it but you know uh where those grapes come from but like beer is a little bit more complex in that we've got the at least the four ingredients um if not more uh whatever your opinion is of that um but uh, (laughs) I, i do find it really interesting because um like like I mentioned earlier, it's really hard to sort of explain that to the customer and, and get them to understand or care about provenance. Um, do you find that's something that's a struggle with potentially with your customers or a customer uh, are their customers effectively um, like growing and being educated on that? Is that something that they use to market their bit? Absolutely. I mean, I'm the target consumer for craft beer and um, natural wines and like I love it when they tell me exactly what's gone into it. Um, For instance, though, um, with our Bracked Brewing program, we've kind of set it up um, at Ends and Hops with these um, QR codes so that we have our customers put a QR code on their packaging 
that then feeds back in. It says, I mean, it's um, they get to survey whether or not they like a hop um, in, in like a single hopped beer or tell us what they liked about the beer, what they didn't. And I'm so surprised by how how much feedback we're getting. It seems like the craft beer consumer does care a lot, um, which we we're quite I mean, the hop industry and the craft beer industry are like BFFs. And I mean, all this time we're going, you know, craft beer drinkers like they love it, but maybe they don't understand. They do. And I think um, people do understand and want to know more about what's going into it. Um, it's actually really surprising. We yeah, we um, launched our back brewing program a couple of months ago and we've gotten so much feedback from end consumers who want to know more. Yeah, that is absolutely fascinating because sometimes I'm not not quite sure whether it is like just a tiny segment of the market that cares or that everyone's kind of get, gaining this knowledge. I know from um, speaking to uh, the Brews News editor, Matt, that, you know, we have moved on a lot in terms of customer education, but I it's hard to gauge now like um, at this moment in time exactly how much people do care. But it sounds like, and that's a fascinating way that you've gone about um, collecting that kind of data and, and that knowledge about it as well which is really cool um and is that all like a load of customers is it like a trial like how does that all work yeah so we just kind of started it with our bract um hops which there are Mm -hmm. only five in the program at the moment um we actually got it from a customer prior to even the launch of this program um in the u.s he like did it himself he was just like oh you know i'll get feedback from my 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 pub drinkers and i'll i'll let you know and so he built this like google Google Doc thing and got their feedback and then you know he handed me like hundreds of responses and I was like Tamir oh we need to be doing this this is such <laughs> this a great is idea, idea. and you know it, it was great for him too mm-hmm. he was like oh I've got suddenly I've got like so much feedback on my beer that you know you don't you don't really get I I mean we we never asked the question right <laughs> so now we're all asking the question. Exactly. And it seems to be like, this is why people love to have a chat room as well. It's like, you can actually speak to the customers, but then like, I think potentially if you could just like do a QR code and take it home and then think about it, you might get some more like straight up uh, responses as well, which is what we need. Constructive criticism. (laughs) Honest feedback. Exactly. I've talked your ear off quite a lot, but um, one thing I wanted to talk uh, about a little bit was Lauren, you are in pink boots. Yes, I am. Me too. Uh, yeah. Plug for Pink Boots. Everybody join Pink Boots. If you're a lady yeah, and you're hope. listening, get involved. Um, <laughs> I think it's really interesting that we've seen, obviously, over the past year, uh, lots of allegations of sexism, uh, a, a real opportunity for the industry and associate industries to like look at themselves and say like what are we doing wrong are we okay what's the situation um what can we do better you've obviously been in in both sides of the pond um obviously uh it all sort of came out of the US so uh it seems to be a huge thing over there in terms of maybe your career generally is that something you found to be a challenge uh being a woman in the industry and how different is it over here um to over in the US yeah, um, so I really got more involved with Pink Boots when landing in New Zealand. Actually, I found it to be like the best way to get involved with the local industry and kind of like, I mean, I'm in Nelson and the beer industry is mostly in Auckland and Wellington. So it was like, I want to know you. I want to know who's doing 
all this work and who's around, even just mm-hmm. like on a social level. Um, but yeah, I have found challenges as any woman in the industry at all, um, and in so many industries have found, but mm-hmm. um, I personally found it quite challenging breaking into the industry as a woman. Um, I was super, super lucky. Um, my very first beer job, um, the, the guy who hired me, like, was, he's still one of, um, you know, the my beer mentors. I look up to every beer style he's making and I'm going, okay, I should probably follow the trend that he's on. Um, <laughs> he knows his stuff. Yeah. He was super encouraging um, and a great um, training brewer. And um, it wasn't, I mean, when I applied for beer jobs, it's really generally a hard industry to crack into. Um, but I, f- I found it challenging. There were some interviews where they were like, and I've told the story to like on many Pink Boots panels, but um, a brewery said to me, um, can you lift a full keg? I think they said like above your waist. And I was like, well, no, I'm like five foot two. Um, <laughs> it was just like, no, you know, like straight up, like I, I can't do that. And they were like, well, we, we have to hire someone who can. Um, and they ended up, my friend actually is the one who got that job and she's quite a bit taller than me and stronger than me. And they really did call her back in and go like, all right, lift the keg. And that was her second interview where she just like proved wow. to them that she could lift a keg. And she, you know, she worked that job and was like, I don't, nobody has, you shouldn't be doing that, right? It's not safe for anyone. My partner yeah. is like a pretty tall dude. And he was like, I shouldn't, I can't lift a keg. You know, we, when, when it's kegging day, we're lifting together. Yeah, this is a health and safety issue for starters. Exactly, yeah. Um, And I have so many friends that have worked warehousing for breweries now, and it's just like, they've all got bad backs. We need to change that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that's a key issue. It's really a problem. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, everyone's, I can't, I don't think I could find a single woman in the beer industry who, you know, hasn't had a man be like, oh, you drink beer? Yeah, um, yeah, quite standard, surprised yeah. To be involved at all. Um, uh-huh. But I actually, Portland is a really, it was a really, really great place for me to start. And I found quite a few women in the same boat. Um, there is such a great community. And then here in New Zealand, there's such a great community. Um, we just did our, our Pink Boots hot blend session the other night. And it was epic. Um, we were remote, you know, we all zoomed in. But um, it's just... It is very cool to have Pink Boots running and people so passionate about, um, you know, equality um, and equity, really, in the beer industry um, and in craft beverages at all. Um, And people are so welcoming. And that's something that's a massive advantage that I have found with being involved with Pink Boots is, um, you know, you show up to these events and um, I have, you know, I'm like, a foreigner in the hop industry showing up to beer industry events and everyone's so welcoming. They're like, oh, I saw you at this event on Zoom at one time. Be my best friend now. <laughs> that's fantastic. It's oh, that's lovely. <laughs> and I, yeah, I think that is absolutely yeah. what the industry's like uh, at its best. Uh, very welcoming like that, yeah. which is fantastic. Um, but we obviously have uh, things to change uh, and things to improve. Uh, yeah. w- what do you think? Anything that comes to mind when I say like what what should we do be doing more as an industry to be more diverse not just uh for women for for other groups for other people that we have much less representation of in this industry 
The representation of diverse peoples on the highest level of decision making um, is where I would like to see the change and it trickle down from there. So when you start to look at all of our country's brewers guilds and um, who's judging the most important competitions, right, Mm -hmm. Um, that get a say of what beer becomes what beer that year, um, I would like to see more diversity in those spaces. And I'm actually, I mean, New Zealand is surprisingly more diverse in that space than than Oregon. I don't know if that is surprising, but um, Oregon's done quite a lot of work to improve that. And I know that um, it's it's a challenge, right? Um, to make sure that it's diverse, but I mean, it's even management teams. And I, I think that there really needs to be a push for companies to, um, and breweries across, I mean, breweries, wineries, everyone across the industries to look at who is making calls, who's calling the shots, who's, um, who's doing the hiring, who's, um, what does your upper management, what does your board look like? Um, and maybe carving out a a space for someone who doesn't look like the rest of you, um, in whatever capacity that might be. Right. Um, Yeah. yeah, it's a really, really hard one, but I personally love to see a board that has, you know, some good diversity on it, um, on a guild that has some good diversity and people whose voices are being heard and being pushed and making sure that those people's voices are being heard. Absolutely. At the very basic level, you know, we want to mirror the people that are our customers. Um, and it just seems like an absolute no-brainer uh, to do exactly that uh, make it more diverse at all the levels and especially levels we can see um, very openly out in the world uh, in ma- those management teams um, so yeah uh, well <laughs> I think you had a lot very well <laughs> sorry Lauren I just realized after I said it that it was like a huge problem of our time and uh, <laughs> I'm asking you to answer it at the end of a, right, an hour-long podcast <laughs> so yes I do appreciate yeah, that thank you very good. much <laughs> uh, wonderful um Right, well, I've taken up so much of your time, um, but thank you very much, uh, Lauren. Yeah, really appreciate you coming on uh, the Beer is a Conversation podcast to talk about everything beer uh, and hops, of course. Um, So, yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you again. Yeah, thanks for having me. 